This is David Wilson and welcome to episode 67 of On Another Track. It's very exciting you've been to Milano and you've been to the, it's the World Furniture Fair, is it, in Italy? Is that correct? Yeah, we just got back from Milano, actually. Mm-hmm. And Beat has a great idea. We have a great idea of creating the future kitchen. It's, it's all about, like, like your, your title is another track. Don't lose track on your dreams. That's the voices of my two guests this week, Nicole Rose and Beat Finkbeiner. They've just come back from the Milan Furniture Fair and they're launching a new product onto the market. Welcome along to my podcast series on another track. We're here to explore people and places from around the world. We hear the stories that have transformed my guest's journey and help them get on another track. It's not always pretty, but if you need that practical advice to figure out the roadblocks ahead, then you can't go wrong by learning from other people's mistakes. It's an enlightening experience and a great journey. If you think Nicole's voice is familiar, won't be wrong. We featured her back in episode 48 of On Another Track. Nicole is what we call a brand ambassador and she's worked from some of the biggest companies in the world. She's now partnered up with Biet to redesign the kitchen. Listen as Biet takes us through the process of designing a small space to be multifunctional. And we even talk about the importance of Lego in design. It's time to be disruptive and fulfill the needs of the customers. And we need a revolution and only the brave will survive. So come on the journey with us. My first question for Nicole and Biat was, how was Italy and Milan? Well, first of all, it was, it was great. It was, um, we are very thankful because we are finally getting the chance to meet people again in person. Mm. And the Salone di Mobile is the biggest furniture fair in the world. And it's like, it is the creative power that you have there. It's it's amazing. And, and we had this feeling, I mean, we are a little bit exhausted right now because even me on high heels, we were walking, walking, walking and driving, driving, driving. And we were meeting great people and Beat can, can say something from his side. But I was like, I wanna, you know, you have this feeling sometimes, dear God, give me a table, give me a glass of wine and let me sit and take off my shoes. Yeah, I totally understand that. Absolutely. Um, it sounds like you had an exciting week. I mean, like you said, it was exhausting. But um, so what, what, just sort of set the things up for the audience a bit, Nicole. You really work with different people now, don't you, to help promote product lines, services and things like that. And really, you're just really getting that back up and running now. And this is really kind of the first major foray out into the new world. So tell us a little bit about what you do first, and then we'll go to Biat and we'll have a chat about what he does. Okay, makes sense. So okay. uh, what we are thinking about is actually the world is changing. It's after COVID, it's not the same. And we're not even after COVID. We're not even after the war. But all aside from that, and you, these are signs that we could see a long time ago. Um, I've been working, as you know, a lot with, with um, Asian people, with China. And as you see, 80% of the people, once they get older, they try to get into the cities. And you have the same in Europe, probably the same in Canada, probably the same in the USA. Because the people don't want to drive anymore. They want everything, the infrastructure around themselves. What that means is um, a big crisis, actually, because rents or houses or apartments are getting actually unaffordable. That means living space is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. 
And that means your bathrooms are getting smaller, your kitchens are getting smaller. So you need new concepts for living. And so we created a concept for living where we have a desk and you turn the desk into a cooking station. Wow. That's something, isn't it? Yeah, and Beat can tell you more about it because he's a designer about it. But we've been speaking with several very, very um, high-end kitchen brands about it. And they say, well, this is the idea of the future. And it really follows on because I have had, I'll be honest with everybody, I've had a sneak preview of what Beat's done and it's fantastic. And having an architectural design background myself, I can really appreciate how much time and effort went into designing that so it would work in different ways in one space, which is phenomenal. So um, I suppose really, are you going off the back of what the concepts are of maybe, you know, caravans and trailers and, you know, new electric vehicles like the Rivian, for instance, which has the pull-out cooking area, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. It's compact, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it slides out and everything is there. What inspired you to sort of think about this type of um, design? We thought uh, it's more about flexibility and there's not just a wish to be flexible, it's a need. And it's a big difference. So what uh, Nicole just uh, said, the, the, the space uh, which, uh, you pay, which you pay for is getting smaller and smaller for the same money. So there is uh, a need to create space. How, how is it possible to create space with, a, with, a, with, the, with the same money? Yeah. And... Um, the, the, the kitchen is something uh, or the, the, called the Frankfurt kitchen is, is something which is uh, a system which is very practical at its invention. But nowadays, time is changing. And we think that in this exhibition or also in the past exhibitions, it's uh, a lot about uh, materials and shapes, but not about a concept. And this was the big question. Why is the concept not available for the needs for the people? And the needs are obvious. We went to um, the universities, signed in, and studied architecture and found facts. Yeah, the the facts are are available worldwide, by the way, which supported that thought. So uh, there is an urge to react. Yeah, maybe I can quickly ditch in and we have this concept of the modern nomad. Yes. And we have the old nomads, you know, in in, in former times, it was clear, Mm. you cannot stay always on one place and in your comfort zone, you need to move on, you have a new job, you need to move. And I think in, in North America and Canada, this is quite common. You don't stay where you are. You know, you, yeah. you you live in a house maybe for three years and then you move on. And why don't you take the kitchen with you? Exactly. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes complete sense. So it's very much how I suppose the design concepts are going. Keep it compact, not be overburdened with material things. Mm-hmm. You know, make the space very efficient. But how did you start? Because I know with design, it's it's usually um, something that inspires you to get started. You know, and how did how did you get inspired to start sketching or getting a napkin out in the restaurant and you know putting pen to paper? How did that happen? Uh, actually, actually, David, it's exactly like this. And uh, the the one of the motivation was that uh, this kitchen, uh, I was I was never happy with a kitchen. So uh, it's exactly like, like you said, uh, it started on a, on a blank sheet of paper on a desk. And I, I just uh, scribbled along and um, thought, why uh, is it not possible, uh, uh, for instance, 
when you if you buy uh, such a system as a as a young person, and it has the same value or function uh, when you are older or moving somewhere else, anywhere in the world. So it's it's, it's uh, why isn't there a system which is independent from any technology which is inside? And the technology, by the way, needs to change, needs to improve, yeah, uh, to adapt and to improve. But why is not uh, why isn't it possible to uh, create a system which maintains uh, same in space or, or place and time and function? And what's the main thought? Yeah, and I was just going to talk to that point because there's different concepts in different parts of the world. Very much in Europe, a kitchen can be moved. It's it can be a movable object, can it? Because you go to Southern Europe, and often places are sold without the kitchen installed. And so mm -hmm. the concept probably in, in in Europe is absolutely you know common. Here in North America, and certainly in the UK as well, I've noticed that they tend to be fixed items. The yeah. kitchens tend to be fixed. But here's the thing I think you are absolutely on the money is that um, the, the wandering nomads, the modern nomads, who've got the van, you know, the Mercedes van that they kit out the way they want, are we saying that your design could possibly be adapted not from a domestic situation to a, a wandering nomad situation possibly? Let me add one thing, and, and that's also about living in a hotel room, you know, mm -hmm. many people are in hotels. So um, if you're in a hotel and you, if you have a suit and you have a hotel that is more like your apartment for a certain time, because you just start a new job, you don't know if it lasts or not, you know, you want to have your kitchen. Yeah. And then you want to have, yeah. you have yeah. a small room and you have a desk. And if that desk finally turns into a cooking space, that could be perfect. And can I ask one other thing? And I'm, I'm not sure, again, how the modern parts of Europe work now in terms of, you know, construction. If you were to take your desk, which it looks like a desk, but obviously underneath is a kitchen, can you quick connect, you know, the supplies such as water and power and, you know, drainage? Is that a common thing? Yeah, plug and play. Yeah, uh, this is the idea. Uh, so the technology is already inside. It's plug and play. You have... Uh, a certain space on the wall which you choose, yeah, in, in height as well. And this is the important thing, you can choose the height. So uh, for instance, for, for uh, uh, disabled people, they should be able to, to get access to the, to the kitchen or to the table. And it's also uh, independent from any type of wall system. So if you have a concrete wall or you have a stone wall or a, uh, softer uh, system or older older buildings, so uh, the system is available uh, is is able to adapt on that. Yes, in any place, at any time, in any culture. Yeah, it sounds absolutely fantastic. So, in terms of a timeline, when you went to Milan uh, to explain and to show what you were doing, did you have an idea of where you are timeline wise from concept and you know design? And, you know, the 3D model that you've got now to actual manufacture and distribution. Have you got an idea of what that's going to be? Well, you know, um, the, the name of the concept is it's like the the wishing kitchen. You know, it's the, the wishing, wishing table. Kitchen, yeah. the wishing <laughs> table. And our wishing yeah. table is to have it as a prototype ready until... Um, autumn this year, latest yeah. until the end of this year, yeah. and to find a partner, like a kitchen brand or a supplier brand, who's going to work with it, with us on that, and to really move forward. Yeah, 
Yeah, that would be fantastic. And I mean, that's looking for partners that are not just in the kitchen sphere, domestic appliances wise, but also on the wandering nomad sphere, you know, the people that put campers together and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, it could be even in the in the furniture segment. Mm -hmm. It could be even in the, you know, in the electronic system segments or people that are building washing machines and absolutely, absolutely. And, and stoves and things like that. We yeah. are open internationally. So we don't say we yeah. want we definitely need don't need to start it in, in Germany. We can start it internationally. Well, yeah, and with your contacts, Nicole, in China, of course, you've got the economies of scale there if you find the right partner. Um, it's interesting, actually. I just interviewed a guy by the name of Paul Duan. He's from uh, China, central China, and he set up a, a furnishing, um, you know, outdoor furnishing company in California. And he's had that probably for the last five or 10 years. And uh, interestingly enough, he said where he got started was in China on the shop floor, you know, working the machines, figuring out what yeah. you can do with plastic. And exactly. mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. so really you kind of want a partner who's probably everything, you know, in other words, they can take it from concept inception right the way through to the finished product. Is that what mm -hmm. you're looking for? Mm -hmm. That's great said, um, David. We need a partner who believes in that vision. That's, I think, the most important point. And then we need a partner that is flexible and fast and wanting to be the first. Yeah. Okay. So now looking ahead, I mean, if you had the crystal ball and you were gazing into that yet and you were saying, okay, we've done the kitchen and I don't want to reveal too many of your trade secrets, but are there other concepts that can bolt onto that and be, you know, not just the kitchen, could it be a bathroom, for instance? Well, no. You know, I mean, are we thinking outside the box? Is that possible? Uh, absolutely. Uh, this is one of the thoughts, uh, because uh, if you talk about um, space, as it's not just a kitchen, it's also obviously a bathroom or other things or a, a cupboard. Uh, the system is maintaining the same as, as a called platform, we call it platform principle, and it is able to mirror a bathroom with two sinks. Or even a in living mirror, room. Or living room, yeah. yeah or, and uh, there's also a model system for a cupboard system, which could do, uh, be for a uh, kitchen, a bathroom, closing it all in general. All in all, uh, what, we, what we have in mind is something, uh, a, a system which is uh, capable long-term, this is, this is our promise, long-term to uh, fulfill the flexibility, which is, which is a need. Think, think about, um, I had this situation once in my life, you know, I had always huge apartments and then life got really bad on yeah. me. So I started again, I had this start again phase and I had an apartment that was like 20 quadrat meters. Wow. That's small. <laughs> like, like a student again, you know, and I liked it actually. Yeah. And then I needed a, a tiny, tiny kitchen, um, scenery in, in order to be able to cook at all, you know? And that was like this thing, what if you have a, like a, like a, um, a desk and it turns into the kitchen, you know, mm. and then you have these 20 quadrat meters, but they, they feel much bigger because it's one room and you feel very well into mm. it. And I think what we need to do is we create concepts for a small room, for a medium room and for a luxury big room, but it can work in in all senses in that way I, I love it i mean and, and also what i kind of get now is with the kind of container homes you know the kind of mini homes that people are putting in unusual locations the tiny homes the yeah tiny homes i mean it's a big concept in new zealand for instance i mean they yeah, just yeah, adore yeah. it you know and 
the thing about it is, is I, 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 with the younger generation especially, they they don't need material things. They're not re- as long as they're connected to the Internet of Things. Really, they've got everything, you know. And it's interesting how it's so different to how we were brought up. But I get it because I think as you get older as well, you know, people like baby boomers like myself want to retire in the next seven to ten years. I wish, but mm-hmm. you know, we don't we don't want the clutter because clutter in your life is is. It's obstacles, isn't it? It really is. And what we're saying is you're not just selling a concept in terms of a design, but it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle yeah. and it's it's something that is light. It's a lifestyle of lightness, if you can say so. So um yeah, what qualifies you in many ways to be able to sort of do this competently? I mean, I'm I'm gonna try to get a little bit of your background and where you come mm-hmm. from. So so have you always been a designer? Have you always been somebody who does, you know, interior design, exterior design? What where do you come from in the design sphere? Well, I started uh with a traditional uh education as a as a salesman in uh the field of lumbers, yeah. We call it Holzkaufmann in in Germany. And uh, then I I went into a a carpenter shop, trained that for for really handcrafted uh, furniture and things out of metal and plastic. And later on, I uh, studied in uh, Pforzheim University, uh, industrial design. And uh, the main main part was then uh, transportation design, which I made then uh, a graduation. Um, and the first contract was done to uh, Mercedes-Benz a couple of years, and I went to uh, GE Plastics in the Netherlands, then to uh, Honda R&D in, in uh, Germany, and uh, a long time now at GM Opel. And since uh, 2019, I'm freelance and I'm at Nicole. Yes, but be, um, at Opel, um, Beat was um, actually working four years in Brazil. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's really interesting. Hence yeah. your good command of language. I, I'm impressed. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, um, it's really interesting. I'd, I want to back the bus up a little bit because there was a couple of things that you said there. Transportation design, I really – because – with my program, I try and make sure that there's a whole range of people that listen to what we do. And, you know, young people going into a particular industry, um, they get an idea of the kind of things that they can achieve. So how did you get into transportation design? How did that kind of, how did you manage to weave that into your life? Well, transportation design is something which is a big, a big part of our life. And I thought there must be a way uh, to create an improvement of uh, of this, which was started more than 120 years ago. So is this the final solution? Yes, no. And um, there's always a motivation for a designer to, to uh, think over uh, things. And uh, transportation design for me is something which has to do with, of course, styling, the outer and inner shapes, but a lot of things are the, the human being. So it's all around centered the human, the human being and the seating, the driving, the concentration and um, to perform the uh, post or the, the needs uh, like in an airplane uh, for being capable to drive safely and with fun at the same time. So when you see a car in the, in the rear mirror, you recognize maybe first the, the headlamps and then uh, the grill and so on, it comes nearer and you recognize the sound with the ears and it's behind you, you step out, open the door and think, uh, yeah, so the exterior matches the interior. So it's the, the red line 
And then comes also the smell, which is an important uh, factor uh, also nowadays. So all this, all the things, um, they, they, they need to build um, a story. And it's, it's a very important factor for making a decision. Transportation design is, is at the border now, as, as you know, with uh, electro um, uh, engines and so on, and um, the, the uh, normal uh, piston engines to make a big change. What's the next step? So this will be uh, for any transportation design company, a, a big move. And it's all about courage. How, do, how uh, far do they go? Uh, how, how much do they take the risk? Therefore, startup uh, companies have a, a big chance nowadays. Um, but then after, after a while, when you, when you do many, many, many decades as a, as a chief designer's cars, inside, outside, exterior, interior, components, seats, garnish, trim, anything also in, in other countries, you start thinking, is the concept really changing? So uh, this was for me the motivation to start the next step. Is this, is this all which needs to be done to improve a, a step into a next evolution? Maybe, maybe let me dig in a little bit because I think it's a time to be disruptive. Yes. It's a time to be this disruptive. Yeah. And disruptive, being disruptive doesn't mean being disruptive only to be disruptive in order to do something different, but in order to fulfill the needs of the customer, you know. And this is actually what is happening not only in the car industry, mm. but that's also happening, of course, in, in the furniture industry, yeah. in the living industry. So we need to we need to see what does the customer need. And how does he need it? And I think there's a couple of brands just like Apple. We've been actually seeing Alessi um, yesterday at the furniture fair. They are doing some great disruptive things, just thinking the world new. Yeah. And uh, a good product, and it's regardless if it's a car or any anything which is um, around us, a good product answers things which a customer at at this time of the development is not able to think about it so that means uh in other words spoken uh, 80 percent roughly 80 percent of the ecological um impacts is defined in its development yeah absolutely yeah because it's so intensive isn't it to get a product onto the market you know be it from designing you know, doing the prototypes to manufacturing, it's, it's an enormous strain on the environment. It really is. And I suppose that's why many, many car manufacturers are now doing the closing the circle, you know, the full re, fully recycled exactly. vehicle, which I think is great. Exactly. And I mean, exactly. Germany, Germany's led the way in recycled plastics. I know for sure back even in the early 2000s, I was selling recycled German post-consumer plastics into the UK. And what was lovely about it is you've got the system so well set up that the local authorities in the cities give the, f the plastic free to the manufacturers. Mm -hmm. So then there's already a profit margin in there for the manufacturers mm -hmm. to develop the concepts and the ideas. Mm -hmm. But um, one thing I wanted to go back to, and this is, this is really kind of interesting, um, being disruptive. What we're really saying is that it's almost like you have to come up with the idea of between the horse and the motor car. You know, that leap, isn't it? You know, before, all we knew were horses and you added more horses to get more power and you, you towed a carriage. 
that leap from there, and of course, you guys invented it. Daimler Benz invented the you know the internal combustion engine car. Mm-hmm. That leap is really what we're looking for, isn't it? It's that next leap from traditional car. Where does it go next, isn't it? Yes, this is a, this is a question probably no uh, big or no manufacturer uh, will will uh, give you public because uh, actually there is no answer. Uh, for instance. One company is developing in in, in, uh, hydro energy, the other is uh, going more, or the most are uh, developing uh, electric engine and battery or uh, a combustion engine still is still is uh, a valid thing. And if you if you add all together in a in a um, carbon um, carbon uh, calculation, the, the, the footprint carbon footprint. Then uh, it is another question again. So it is the price, the selling price. You know there are a lot of uh, regulations nowadays, which are, we, we call a uh, passenger impact, which is driving height of the car, weight of the car, uh, wheel size, and so on. And then uh, you have a business case which needs to be fulfilled. So this does doesn't make it very easy, or doesn't make it easy at all for the companies to do any step. So. The technology is uh, developing very, very vastly, very, very fast. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, um, do we adopt it or not? Yeah. How 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 is our ability to uh, take any risk? Yeah. How far do we go? How far do we have the courage to be disruptive, as Nicole said? How fast are we? You know, yeah. It's like we need a revolution. We need we a need... revolution not only in the car industry, also in the kitchen industry, in the living industry. Yeah. And yeah. I think only the brave will survive, and only yeah. the ones that are brave enough to be the first will survive. Exactly. Exactly. One of the interesting things as well is that um, as a country as Germany, you know, after the Second World War, you reinvented yourself and you established yourself as a quality, uh, attention to detail, you know, environment for great manufacturing and great design. And what do you think it is? What do you think it is about German design that really um, promotes itself around the world? What do people do when they see a great German car? What's the feeling they get, you know, when they get inside that? What, what is that all about? And how come you guys have managed to capture that so well? Uh, I think I think that's um, attention to detail. Maybe I'll give you an example. When when a pilot is entering his airplane or looking just uh, walking around his airplane, when he looks in the front of the airplane, he knows how it looks like in the back. So a pilot needs a complete understanding and trust to his machine. It cannot fly a little bit, it has to fly 100%. And this is attention to detail. And this is um, focus to technology, which works 100%, and it works with trust. Um, this is uh, a typical, we call it German, German precision. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably a thing which which uh, is 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 kind of a German brand. Like when when you talk about German products, so this is about German precision, and uh, it's like a little bit watchmaking. And and you really can compare it with watchmaking. I mean, there are a lot of watches in the world. Uh, when you go to Swiss, for instance, and what does make Swiss watches very uh, adorable? It's the precision, 
And it's not not just the material; it's the precision, it's the clockwork, how it's how it's made, and taking the time, taking the time to do that. And this is about uh, German products. Absolutely. That, that's why um, there's a certain trust. Uh, when it started, as you said, uh, after the maybe even even before. Um, I don't know even if it's just a cultural thing, but it, it is there and um, it is an important uh, factor to, to maintain this and not get uh, away from this because it, it, is, it is so important to um, maintain this, this uh, precision to take, to roll it also to the next step because without precision, it is, it is uh, not comparable. There's a, there's, a, there's a very beautiful saying about what about um, a country wants to plant a tree okay mm -hmm. so you go into china the chinese they build a tree it doesn't grow they buy the next one yeah the japanese they look where's the <laughs> shadow where's the sun and it takes years and years and years mm -hmm. to build the tree and the germans what they would probably do is they would do a mixture of both. Mm -hmm. They would really look into, into where's the right ground to grow the tree and they would build it. And the Americans, a little bit like the Chinese maybe, <laughs> they would say, okay, here's the tree. If it doesn't grow, I buy another one. Well, you're halfway through listening to On the Track with me, David Wilson. Fantastic guests this week, of course, Nicole Rose and Beat Finkbeiner. Next, I wanted to ask them both a little bit about their personal life and where they came from in Germany and how they got on the road they were on. So I started with Nicole first. I'm a Frankfurt <laughs> girl from 1968, so it's a very good year for good wine. Absolutely. <laughs> and I started uh, doing psychology and marketing in America. And I always wanted to mix marketing and psychology because doing marketing you need to understand the people's need and i started in advertising and then i went to great brands like montblanc escada omega working with jess brosnan as james bond and um, moved on and into life went to miami and um, went into the sanitary business and have now german wonderwork and as my second, as my big passion, I'm also a writer of novels, which are a kind of erotic novels, but um, also love crimes, you know? So it's a new category I'm building up there. And I think what, what is my USP? I can bring things very quickly to a very good point. And that's really good. You kind of know the roadmap already. You just have to get people on it, don't you? Exactly. Yeah. And this is what we did the mm. last three days also in, in, in Milano. It was just great. Yep. Yep. Okay. I've got one other question for you, Nicole. So so when you were a young girl, you know, growing up in Frankfurt, Amen, and, uh, you know, really kind of soaking up the, the city, soaking up the countryside, going down to the Schwarzwald, the Black Forest, you know, you were living your life. What were your dreams when you were a young girl, what you wanted to do in the future? I think I always wanted to write and I always wanted to move people's hearts. I wanted to give them courage. And actually right now I started the Denker Dialogue two years ago. We know each other also through that. And um, it's like, these are heavy times and we have in, in, our, in our life, we have heavy times, we have easy times, uh, but it's about always staying happy and giving the people the courage and the trust and, and like a kind of, um, Vorbild, you know. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a, a foundation so they can spring from and relaunch themselves. And exactly. I know we've t- we've talked about this. So we've encouraged each other over the last six months, you know, to get you yeah. doing your recordings on video and on TikTok, and it's just taken off. You've had the courage to do it, which is wonderful. You know, wonderful. Just out of interest, where did um, family come from? You know, again, I love digging into that kind of social history and where you know people have come from. Were your family traditionally a German Prussian family, or the more sort of southern, you know, European family? Where where did they come from? Well, my mother is from, from um, Frankfurt, Frankfurt girl, just like me. And my father comes actually from Prague. So he was one of these Slovenian people that were forced to move into Germany. And um, finally they met and fell in love with each other. And um, I'm the result. And I have a twin brother, which I love very much. And he looks so much different than me. He's like one meter 90 tall and no hair. But we are so close even though we don't speak with each other for for one time a week, you know, we know what the other feels. It's incredible actually being in families, you know, twins or even just brothers and sisters. I often find that with my brother, I'll buy something, two or three different things, and I go to his house and he's got the, exactly the same things. And I think, wow, That's crazy. isn't that incredible, isn't it? So to be fair now, let's uh, hand it over to Biet. Biet, great name. We want to say Beat in, in English, which is a great name. I love it. I love that, you know. Absolutely. But uh, you have... <laughs> We call him Mr. Beat. Mr. Beat, and it's it's great. It's a, it's a great it's a great brand name, you know. It really I'm, is. I'm the Beat, yeah, the Beat Kitchen. You know, I love that. But the thing is, you have quite an interesting story to your life in terms of where your name is from. And again, I'd love to hear that story again. Yeah, I mean, uh, Beat is uh, a typical Swiss name. It's like uh, Stefan uh, or a new country, maybe John or. Um, yeah, Jürgen. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a Swiss name. And uh, it comes actually from, it's a Latin name. And it comes from a, a monk which lives in Bern. Bern is the, the main city in, in Switzerland. And um, this monk lives in a, in a, um, in a cave uh, of a mountain which is called Beatenberg. And he was an eremite. So Beatus is actually the Latin foundation of this it means the lucky one so the lucky one hey eh? that yeah. well, I, I think you yeah, probably yeah. are <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah i yeah. try to <laughs> so, so so here's the other thing i know um nicole has transferred her name from german rosler to to rose which is quite a, an easy conversion i love german right because i love the way that it puts you know various phrases together to make up a longer word so your surname is fink beiler is that is that richtig is that right yeah, this is this is richtig, uh, absolutely richtig. Finkbeiner, uh, yeah. What does that literally mean uh, when you split that word apart? Uh, okay, uh, it comes actually from the word finken. That means uh, in in um, in the eighteenth century, people had uh, this kind of shoes out of leather, which are bound with a, with a string around around the foot. So this is called finken. Right. And that's why uh, later on it comes fink, Finkenbinder. That means wrapping around the strap around the leather. Schnürsenkel. Exactly. You had a history in your family of somebody originally making shoes somewhere along the line. Oh, there, yeah, 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 kind of. And so design, design was always in the culture. Look at that. <laughs> you know, I love that. So, so tell us a, a little bit about um, your kind of journey through design. You did briefly allude to it, you know, but did you think that when you were eight or 10 or 12 years old, 
did you yeah well uh, here let me put the context on this right i always knew that i was going to design things because i get a ruler right. and straight lines and i would design vehicles and houses and i always did that when i was five or six years old were you doing the same sort of things when you were younger yeah um yeah, it was crazy uh as we as we played in, in the sand ground i always built cars out of sand around me which i could sit in and play and uh, form the shapes around the uh, interior, exterior, and then later on, a bucket of water was thrown over it, and everything was gone. And later on, it was the time to play with Lego. And a Lego for me, this is a is a tool which is, if you if you have enough, you can do anything. But if you have not enough, it is it is not easy. And what is, this was the start always for me to build something beautiful with less or on little uh, bricks which are available it was actually um leading me to to kind of always invent something out of not much which is available later on uh, i saw uh first images from uh gm and, and also ford ford in in america and uh, design sketches which have been so inspiring for myself and i thought i how how what are they doing? They actually do this. They they live from it. They 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 build cars. Ah, because I I never knew how a car was created, and this yeah. was the first time I saw it on on the images. And I thought this is exactly what I would like to do. Uh, to do. And I burned uh, so for it. So I started to uh, think how can I do that. My father was not so keen uh, that time, even as he was a big uh, artist in his heart, yeah, which I, I uh, got all my, my uh, things I got from him. So I'm, I'm happy, thanks dad. And um, finally, I could study. So between my, my apprenticeship, I, 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 in the evening, I prepared all the sheets for the application. And I went in and I was I was just simply happy. I was a, a happy lad then. And uh, I knew this is it. Yeah, I was, I was so, so glad to have uh, been chosen this direction in the end. I, I love it. You know, Nicole was smiling at me. My face beamed when you said Lego. I mean, Lego was just <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because you know, I can totally relate to what you're saying. Is that we had certain bits of Lego that we could utilize, but we had to compromise exactly. to get a shape or to do yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that was what the challenge was, and it was such a creative thing. You know, in the 19, I think it was late 40s, early 50s, uh, when Lego mm -hmm. came from Denmark or wherever it was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They really, whoever developed it, because Lego is play, isn't it, in the Danish language? I think and, it's, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's just amazing how somebody came up with that concept. Absolutely brilliant. So, okay. Um, so let's trace the family a little bit because we're going to need to do the potted history. So with a fantastic surname, you know, last name that you have, you've explained the kind of origins of that, but where does the family originally come from? Are they've always been in Swiss, Switzerland, or have they always um, been Northern Italian or Southern German? Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, my mother comes from Swiss, from, from Bern, and uh, my father comes from Black Forest, actually, and he moved, uh, he was a young guy with uh, 20 years, he moved to Switzerland to work there and in, in Bern. And my mother and him, we met, uh, they, they met each other, fell in love and decided to move to Germany, full of blind love and so And I just decided, yeah, of course, let's move that and let's do this. So uh, they settled down in uh, Black Forest first and then moved uh, to a city near Stuttgart called Reutlingen, where I actually grew up in the end. 
And that was so important for you because Stuttgart really is the center of design for it, Mercedes, especially, isn't it? And uh, is a yeah. Porsche, Porsche's there of many yeah. manufacturers. Porsche so used you- nearby, yes, yeah, it's, it's thing, but it's all nearby. We, we, we call uh, 20, 10 kilometers, it's, it's, not, it's not much, but it's all around there. Uh, of course, Mercedes, Porsche, all the, the suppliers are nearby. And uh, of course, that influenced me as well. And this was my, my first um, job that at Mercedes then after the uh, diploma. Um, I had a big luck to, to start there. And it was a very, very important uh, time to, to learn how really, how really in reality cars are made in one-to-one or not just in scale models. And um, I, I always think it is important to make big mistakes to learn because without mistakes, it's just not possible. And uh, to, to get the tools in the hand to make the next step and uh, always, always be keen on, on um, improvements and be keen to learn. And, and this, this company has such a big history and uh, honestly, I always, I always, uh, I just can say, if somebody decides for his dream job, he should just follow it. Never think about, never think about giving up or struggling. Yeah, just do it. And, and always stay curious. Always stay curious. Always, always. Oh, here, here. Like, That's, like uh... a child. Like a child. That's right. With a child who's got a box of Lego. What can we build yeah, today? Yeah, you know, yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> okay, so let's gently sort of pull things back to business now. So, Nicole, from your perspective, Biat is you're working Biat with regards to promoting the kitchen, the uh, the Biat kitchen or, or whatever we want to call it. I can't remember what you called it actually. What was the name? <laughs> it? it would be the the Wunderwerk kitchen. Yeah. The Wunderwerk, which means the the Wonderwork kitchen is that is that a kind of literal translation? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a work of wonders. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And so so we you guys are working together to get this concept moved on. So what we're really saying is, and we did mention it earlier on, you are looking for business partners, people who are prepared to come in and have a look at the concept. Uh, they can send an, you know, sign an NDA, so there's a non-disclosure agreement, and you can then explain to them what you're trying to achieve and where you want to go with it. Now, if, do you have any idea of where you want those partners to come from? Is it just in Europe, America, or is it all around the world? Do you look at everybody? Well, you know, I, we are always global business partners, so we, we always look at the at the world globally. I think what happens right now with corona is the world is, for a moment, it's not as global anymore. It, People in Germany are, are trying to to produce more in Germany again, and but it will always stay a global world, and it, it will be more global even in the future. So we are searching for global partners, and we are searching for brain partners, you know, who understand how is the world changing, and yeah. for people who want to tr- change the world with us. Yeah. So for if anybody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way of getting a hold of you, for instance, to be the hub? Yes. The best way is NR, like Nicole Rose, at germanwunderwerk.de. Okay, that's fantastic. And uh, you've got your website there as well, which people can log on to. Exactly, yeah. And Biet, is it possible to see your concept now that you've now obviously um, kind of presented it in Milan just during the week? Is it now something that's out there and you can see the concept and can people log on to your website and see it? Yeah, absolutely. We have, we have, a, we have a, a, a little trailer, yeah? Yeah. And uh, we can show in uh in broad and also after signing the dna yeah well this is it yeah absolutely yeah yeah and if anybody wanted to reach out to you directly what's the best way of getting hold of you yeah it's a b dash at 
dash design. So B at is my 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 name. B at design. Simple as that. It's, it's a little bit of a word game, and we're working together. So we are the team, and we see the kitchen as the the wonderwerk kitchen. <laughs> yeah, and not only the kitchen. It's really about the future living. The future, yeah. You know, it's because yeah. living is going to change very much in the future. Yeah, absolutely, and I think this is definitely a platform that you can use to launch different products it, it, because the concept and the foundation is there. And the way it works is incredible. So, okay, well, I hope people will reach out to you. We will put your um, various um, websites and what have you at the end of the show notes so that people can reach out. So I got the usual last question to ask you both, which I always like to do. And I, I've got to do this slightly different with Nicole because I've, I've asked her before, if she was 18, what would she do again? But I'm thinking, really, Nicole, if, if you know, what, what legacy do you want to leave this world with what you've done? All the experience that you've garnered with James Bond and the big the big, uh, you know, sort of Mont Blanc and all the big manufacturers and all the marketing experience you've got. What do you want to leave in this? Or what legacy do you want to leave? What legacy do I want to leave? What I would like to leave is my own traces. And I don't have children. So my children are my books. And my books are the full experience mm. put in, into a very humorous and, and very empathic way of telling about life and the stories and giving people courage, even though sometimes life might be tough, how to move on and how to always enjoy life because let's celebrate life, it's short. And let me ask you one question. When is the last time to um, have a donation and, and, and a request for your show on Sunday because I have a request here? Oh, you put me on the spot. I was going to just be very <laughs> professional. Say, I don't know what you're talking about. This is lockdown nine. I, I don't know. No, um, it's just so that everybody knows we we do a, this is obviously our talk show on another track, but we do do a radio program, a retro 50s and 60s program. And Nicole has been a girl. And this is making your soul happy. It's really mm -hmm. making your soul happy. So I have a request and I, I will send it to you. Okay. Well, your requests are usually very good because they're mid to late 60s and I like them because that's the area that I don't know too much about. So send your request for you and we will play that for you on Sunday. And of course, Beat will we'll do a request for you as well. But uh, I didn't get, I didn't think we were going to promote that. But thank you very much, Nicole. Uh, marketing lady extraordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just from your perspective again if um if you were 18 again um you know you met yourself on a bus or you know a train or something like that what would you tell yourself now you've got all this experience i would uh i mean the question is a good question it's basically the question of life yeah why we are here uh i would say never stop dreaming and try to uh always Paint a picture in the brightest picture and play with it because it's your picture and always having in, in the eye in front of you and to reach it in reality. And don't struggle. Don't struggle. Just do it. Don't struggle anything and don't, don't doubt any, any uh, decision and don't doubt your own picture, which you have. I had, I had a good um, mentor uh, who told me once, uh, it was a difficult situation in, in, a, in a study time, which I, I couldn't decide which, which design this or that. And he always changed and uh, with a knife, yeah, destroyed it basically. Uh, since until uh, I was in the end, I was the last one. 
and I, I hide the model in a, in, a, in a cellar and close the door and he found it. And he asked me, why didn't you do that model like we discussed all the time? And then I took all my courage together and told him, um, because I like it this way and I don't want you to change it anymore. And he told me, this is the answer I would have liked to get from you right from the beginning. So that was the biggest lesson I, I've got as a, as a student. And it's, it's about uh, making dreams real, belief in the own dreams. This, this I would say. Uh, totally inspirational. Thank you for that. And, you know, I always like it when guests give us a practical example of, you know, hiding the model away because you doubt your mm -hmm. own self-confidence, but really what he wanted to do was for that self-confidence to grow, you know, which is so, yeah. so important. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. Nicole and Biat, I want to thank you both very much. I, I'm glad Milan was great. I know it was a tiring time for you because you had five or six hours traveling each day, but it sounds as if it kind of re-energized you guys and it really got you kind of networking again, which was so important. So um, thank you for your little report on that and you know yeah i wish you the best of luck with your concept i think it's absolutely fantastic and let's get you know the, the word out there that you are looking for people to come on board and uh, hopefully they'll contact nicole and you guys will be able to coordinate and then we'll we'll do an update in six or 12 months time and you've got it out there that's the important thing and thank you david for always being such a great sparing partner also thank you david for having me at Alden. Thank you, David, to be yeah, our, our host. My pleasure indeed. And it's been a real joy to have you both on board. Take care. You've been listening to On Another Track with me, David Wilson. My guests this week were Nicole Rose and Biat Finkbeiner, making design dreams real. Remember, there are more conversations coming up in this series. Just look out for On Another Track with me, David Wilson, on your local podcast platform and subscribe. This has been a BritCam production for Urban Aspect Incorporated. Keeping us safe on the roads of North America.